All right, we're two weeks into January. Just finished up the MLK Day slate. Probably the second biggest day of NBA of the season. You have Christmas Day, which everybody always pays attention to, but then Martin Luther King Day, not only just to celebrate the legacy of an amazing man, but with this action of NBA basketball throughout the day from noon all the way down to 10.30 p.m., just games everywhere. I think there were like 13 games that were on the slate. Pretty good ones, too. And then you had uh, Tuesday night, which was literally two games. You had the Wolves winning 112 to 110 at MSG, and then you had the Warriors beating the holy hell out of the Detroit Pistons. But now we're back here on a Wednesday. It's keeping it 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another episode brought to you courtesy of the basketballnews.com podcast network. And I got to say, before we start this, if you got completely covered by snow, I feel your pain. I woke up on Tuesday and it was just everywhere. Everywhere. Monday, maybe. Maybe that was Monday. I can't remember. I can't remember which day it was. But literally, Brian, I'm not even kidding you, 15 to 16 inches. It was up to my knees. The shovel was back in the shed. So I'm house sitting for my parents. The shovel was back in the shed. I didn't know where to start because you lift the garage up and I'm literally standing next to this mound of snow that is, again, up to my knees. I didn't know where the hell to start. I think you start by turning around and going back in the house and saying, I'm not going anywhere today. <laughs> that is how it goes. But you just you had to make some moves. So here you go. And. Just remember, so at my place, I don't, I have maintenance taken care of for me. I pay HOA fees, but I had to help my parents out. They were stranded because their flight had gotten canceled and all that. They went on a little vacation. So I'm there with my two little brothers, both teenagers. So you can imagine how I felt. And if they're listening, I love you boys, but a man can only take so much. So I'm stuck in there with two teens. One's not doing any work. The other one is helping me in the driveway, thankfully. But thank, uh, but uh, I appreciate the the neighbors that helped us out. Let them let us use their snowblower. That that definitely uh, expedited the process a little bit. But about two two and a half hours. So uh, that was yeah, that was Monday morning. Monday morning, right before uh, all the festivities and the celebration of Dr. King uh, over the the NBA slate there. So I just wanted to to shout out, you know, this this winter storm that completely took over um, the, the Midwest here in, in uh, Northeast Ohio. Uh, you you gave me one hell of a time. See, I'm in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and we've got. I want to say on Sunday we got maybe an inch or two, but what we did get was um, some sleet and some slick roads, especially like on Monday. But you had to be careful if you're driving out there because there were definitely patches of ice and there were a fair amount of uh, wrecks on the roads, especially on the highways. Um, in fact, near my work uh, for my day job, there was a patch of ice and you could see people slipping and sliding all over the place on that. Luckily, I think uh, there was one pretty big accident there, but everything else wasn't people like hitting each other. It was just 
hitting this little patch and just kind of fishtailing across it. Uh, but uh, that that was as bad as we got here, and we're supposed to get some more coming up later on in the week, but nothing, nothing like what you're getting. Like, we're talking maybe a couple of inches. Now, if you go over to western part of North Carolina, they're getting, you know, like six, eight, ten inches, or they did a couple of days Rookies. ago. But, but but I'm not getting <laughs> I'm not getting that snow like you're you're getting where I got to break out the shovel and get the snowblower and all that stuff. We're we're just getting a fair amount here, just just a little smattering. And you go rushing out there to try and and get the job done, and you know you're slipping and sliding all over the place, just just walking, not even just talking about cars, just walking, you're just slipping and sliding all over the place. I just started laughing, and and it was funny because I mean I've used uh, you know a snowblower, but I, I you know don't really know how to judge which way the snow is going to blow out. And the wind was swirling, so I didn't know which way to put it. So the first, you know, two or three trips up and down uh, half of the driveway, it just blew right back in my face. Right nice. back in my face. I've got a great picture if anybody wants to see. It's, 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 it's actually quite funny because I don't look too amused in the picture, which makes it even funnier. But we're not here to talk about snow. We're here to talk about NBA basketball. And uh, I think Brian wants to get something off of his chest. It's not uh, we'll an off get... your chest thing. It's something that has to be discussed because it's one of the biggest stories in the NBA right now. It is. It is. It is. So so we'll let Brian get to that. We'll also talk about the trades uh, that are, are brewing, the rumors, I should say. Um, on January 15th, there were about 15 players that became eligible to be traded. Um, these are the, the players that signed their extensions over the season. And we'll name those and, and talk about some of the you know, rumors swirling around a, a few of those names. Uh, and uh, obviously there were some injuries that, that we hate to see, you know, KD going down um, with, with his uh, MCL injury with the knee. You had Damian Lillard, who probably, probably won't play at all this year. Draymond Green had a setback. Paul George doesn't sound like he's coming back. Uh, but we also had some returns, though. We had CJ McCollum come back. Uh, Bam Adebayo's back for the Heat. So, you know, lots of movement going on now. And, and, you know, fewer hardship exception players that are playing now that, uh, you know, we're hopefully on the back end of, you know, the COVID uh, cases and, uh, you know, the protocols and whatnot. It seems like teams are getting healthier and we're starting to, you know, get right back into it. Um, we're still, if you look at the standings, we're still all kinds of bunched up, um, especially in the East where first and 11th are separated by, I believe, three and a half games, which is just purely insane. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that. But first, you know, we'll give Brian a soliloquy, a, a little uh, floor to talk about his Lakers. Uh, the news came out earlier this week about Frank Vogel supposedly almost being fired after they lost to the Nuggets in dramatic fashion. They responded with a win against the Jazz, but... Uh, obviously, this is just a, a game-by-game thing, as reported by The Athletic. So uh, why don't you dig into that, and then we'll we'll kind of get into the crux of the issue. Yeah, because, I mean, right now, and we kind of knew this going into the season, that if anything went wrong with uh, their season, if it wasn't going to go the way that they had hoped, that they already had their fall guys set up, and that being Coach Frank Vogel, who... You know, when, when Vogel came onto the Lakers, remember, he wasn't their first choice, their second choice. He was their third choice. And he only got a three-year contract, but he won a championship. And quite honestly, in the second year, last season, 
you know, he dealt with some major injuries. Obviously, LeBron James had the high ankle sprain that cost him a lot of time. Anthony Davis missed a lot of time. And, you know, they had to just kind of get their way into the playoffs. But when they were getting healthy, and even though LeBron wasn't at full strength, he was back, AD was back, and they were giving the Suns all kinds of trouble. It looked like they were going to beat the Suns in the first round before Anthony Davis got hurt. And this was even after the Lakers, you know, before, the, you know, early in the season had made some roster changes off their championship team. And you look at the, what they did even then. And I think that's where some of the problems really began because we all know that Vogel is a defensive minded coach and that team he had that first year, it came together, especially in the bubble. People talked about they weren't the greatest shooting team, but they, they played to Vogel's strengths. It was the defensive minded team. And when they came back the following season, you know, they made some moves around the edges, but it really affected the team during the year. Like Danny Green got traded for Dennis Schroeder. You understood that when Green was going into the final year of his deal and, you know, they wanted more ball handling. So I get that. But they totally went away from their bigs. You know, they let Bill McGee leave. They let uh, Dwight Howard leave, you know, and then they went with Marcus Gasol and Montrezl Harrell. By the end of the season, none of that was working. And, you know, but they still kind of fought their way through it. And you felt like if AD and LeBron were as healthy as they could be, they could still make a run. And, and who knows what would have happened, you know, if AD had not gotten hurt in the playoffs. But then they come to this season. You're wondering what kind of moves they're going to make. And they decide to make the big move, that being Russell Westbrook. And the problem isn't just the way that Russ has fit with his team. It's what they had to give up. And what they had to give up was the strength of this team in that they gave up their best perimeter defenders. And you look at the way this season has gone, and there's, there's plenty of excuses between the roster makeup, uh, guys not playing together because of injuries. With you know, Anthony Davis has missed a lot of time. Players have missed time because of COVID. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker was expected to be a big part of this team, and he missed the first, what, uh, month and a half. Uh, you know, they, Kendrick Nunn was supposed to be a big part of this team. He's still not back, and he's even had a setback. So, I mean, there's all these different things that have gone into it. Then on top of that, you have Russell Westbrook as well and the way that he is fit or not fit with this team, as many people have expected. And now they're a 500 team, and they are not playing well. I mean, they're kind of, they're all over the place. You know, they get blown out by the Nuggets. They almost fire Vogel. And then they come back two nights later and they beat the Jazz in what might be their best win of the season so far. It's a very probably, spirited game for them. Probably is. Good for yeah. Stanley Johnson, by the way. I, I love that that you know comeback story. I mean, they're obviously looking to sign him through the rest of the season, but he's still playing on these 10 days. But uh, it, if there is a bright spot to look at, it is one of those kind of just reviving his career a little. Right. And, and the Lakers you know, have had to kind of pare down when it comes to what their rotation is going to be, you know, you've got LeBron playing, you know, small ball center these days. Um, you know, kept Bazemore's out of the rotation. DeAndre Jordan out of the rotation. Wayne Ellington out of the rotation. They're just waiting for Anthony Davis to come back. They, you know, even, you know, when they played their best in that game, Russell Westbrook was not in the lineup. It was a lineup of like LeBron James, Avery Bradley, um, Stanley Reeves. Johnson, Austin Reeves, uh, Tillman Horton Tucker was in the game. So they went young and they went, you know, with guys that can kind of mix and match, you know, um, you know, on defense. And they were able to kind of get their way to a win. But, you know, 
Vogel is still kind of like on edge. I mean, there's some people that say like, no, 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 no. Now that this story has kind of come out that like, they're not going to do anything. It It is weak though, to put the blame on Vogel. And I, is there some blame on his behalf for this? Yeah, of course there is because he's the head coach, but I don't think he is the sole person to blame and I would not fire him. People want to point to him and say, well, look at like, his rotations. Look at his lineups. He has played around with a lot of things, but I think he has been forced to play around with a lot of things because of the roster makeup. So I would say this. If the Lakers are insisting on getting rid of Frank Vogel during the season, that to me means there needs to be other moves in the front office. That means Rob Polinka would have to go as well because he's the one that put this team together. Now, LeBron deserves blame. Anthony Davis deserves blame because they kind of, they, you know, LeBron went out and recruited Russ and AD signed off on it. And then the front office said, yeah, let's do it. And they made it happen. That's a problem. You know, you're not going to fire LeBron. You're not going to fire Anthony Davis. You need to have your people in the front office be the ones that say, we're going to do it or we're not going to do it and need to be held accountable for it. I think that Vogel has had to play around with lineups just because of the injuries and just trying to find something that can work. And what has worked is going away from having a bigger lineup. But that's something that has worked for them in past years. But now he's having to play away from that. I will also say this, and a couple other things. When it comes to Vogel, if you decide to get rid of him during the season, what are you going to do? Are you going to go with Fisdale, who has had to coach six games a season in place of Frank Vogel while he was out uh, with COVID. And he went one in five in those six games. That's not exactly inspiring hope. The other thing when it comes to behind the scenes is Kurt Ramos's role in all of this, because, you know, the story came out from the athletic and from the LA times as well, that like Rambus is sitting in on these meetings now and he's telling them like, Oh, you got to go big. You got to go with, uh, Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan in the lineups and and these things and I'm like Kurt Rambis. Kurt is it, is Ram- this, what year what year is this? Exactly. I'm like Kurt Ram- again? Yes it is. Right. <laughs> it is absolutely crazy that Kurt Rambis has this much power within the Lakers organization and it's because he's tight with Jeannie Buss. Like uh Rambis's wife Linda is Linda is uh is Jeannie Buss's closest confidant. She has been for years. And because of that, they have a lot of trust in Kurt as well. Now, Kurt Rambis, never been a good coach. Look up his record. It's horrible, horrible from the time he was with the T-Wolves and, you know, with the Knicks and, you know, interim, you know, coaching spots here and there. It's horrible. I'm like, why is he having so much, you know, say when it comes to like lineups or different things like that? And, you know, and he, influence, and, all that influence and, and influence when it comes to roster and things like that, like. I mean, one of my biggest bones of contention this entire year, and same with a lot of other Laker fans or even people that aren't Laker fans looking from the outside in going, okay, if you're on a fixed budget for the Lakers, why did you insist on spending that $10 million a year on the potential of a Taylor Horn Tucker rather than a proven guy in Alex Caruso, who doesn't put up big numbers, but he's everything that you want when it comes to intangibles and a guy that doesn't need the ball and plays defense and just fits with everybody else. It's already been proven for the last couple of years, but nope, they let Caruso walk. 
and they paid THT. And I'm going to tell you right now, from everything that I've heard about that, that was a Rambus decision. That Kurt Rambus did not value Alex Caruso. He was one of the lead guys that said, nope, I'm not worried about Caruso, which is really laughable for me because anybody that watched, you know, Kurt Rambus in his playing days, that's exactly what Alex Caruso does now. I mean, come on. He does all the intangibles and all the hard work and defense and things like that. So remember a couple of years ago, Spence, when there was that story about the dysfunction of the Lakers organization and this surrounded like Magic Johnson leaving the front office and, you know, everybody was taking their shots at the Lakers and rightfully so because they're a full-blown mess. But winning cures a lot of things, obviously. When you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis, you could turn things around very quickly, you know? And, and that's exactly what happened. People seem to forget about all that dysfunction behind the scenes because they won a championship. But now all you hear, once again, things, you know, tail off is the dysfunction behind the scenes. And that's what's going on. It's, it's a total dysfunctional organization right now. What and, losing does, too. Yes. And if they were not the Lakers, you know, the gold standard franchise in the NBA and being, and being located in Los Angeles, if they did not have those things going for them, they would be an utter train wreck in that they could not even attract stars. The only reason they attract stars is because of what's up on the marquee and where they're located. Yeah, they would be the Sacramento Kings without it. So this is an absolute mess. And Anthony Davis is about to return. There's talk that he could return sometime within the next week. He's been cleared for full contact. That is not a cure-all. There is no trade that the Lakers can make this season. That is a cure-all, even if they can do something by you know packaging like THT or and Kendrick Dunn because... The way their contracts are right now, they've got three guys on max deals and almost everybody else is on minimums. And Kendrick Nunn, by the way, has only played one preseason game. He's been sidelined all year with injury. And just as he was about to come back, there was a setback in his ramp up. Right. So probably he, not going to see Kendrick Nunn in a Laker uniform unless they make it past the trade deadline. Yeah. And, re- and remember, like some people are pointing to like, oh, well, you know, I, I know the Lakers had to get Russ. They had to sacrifice a lot of things, but uh you know, when it comes to defense, like Kendrick Nunn and Trevor Ariza, that will help him a lot. Like Trevor Ariza is 36 years old and we knew he was not going to be any good. And he missed a big chunk of the season. And then since he's come back, he hasn't done squat. He just can't. I mean, he's, he hasn't been a good player in three or four years. He's gotten old. And like you said, you know, Nunn hasn't played yet. He's, he's not a cure all. He's not going to fix everything. The team is a mess. And you know, they play better down the stretch in tight games without Westbrook on the court, but there comes a point where you have to put him on the court because he's Russell Westbrook. Uh, and if you can find a trade for him this season that makes any kind of sense, uh, please tell me. Because yeah, no, I don't think no. the Houston Rockets are sitting there going, you know what, Russ, come on back, man. We're happy to have you. You know, John Wall, we, we'll, we'll ship you out. Like, I'm not even sure if the Lakers would do that deal either, but like, I can't imagine Houston doing that. I mean, they would want something more and it's not like they would play Russ. And if they're not buying out John Wall, I don't know if they're buying out Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, there, there are no easy answers. It's just, this team is an absolute mess and it starts to me with the front office. And I think it's, it is weak to put all of the blame on Frank Vogel and to make him a scapegoat because he is only doing the best he can 
with the roster that you've given him. And people talking about like, oh, well, he's, he's lost the locker room. Like, what are you talking about? He's lost the locker room. I'm like, this, this thing is a mess. It's, it's not his fault. I mean, how they only gave him that one-year extension, that, that told you right there that they didn't have any confidence in this guy. He's won a championship for you. And not to single out LeBron, but anywhere he goes, this is what happened. This is it exactly is. what happened. You know what the only difference was, momentum. though? In the past years, they did have a roster and contracts that they could move and make you know, major changes during the season because this has happened in Cleveland. I mean, you know this very well. Like they, they made massive changes before a trade deadline. They just can't do it this year. And otherwise, I, I, if they thought they really could trade Russ, would they pull the trigger? Like if he wasn't making this outrageous sum of money or if he was, seemed as more valuable around the league, then I can see them hitting eject, even though it would make LeBron have to say, like, this is a mistake. And I don't know if he wants to admit that. Yeah, no, and that's a tough admittance because, I mean, he had a lot to do with him coming there. So that's, you know, that's just kind of did. laying your pride out on the line, but you also have to look at the results and how the play styles don't mesh in the half court at the very least, and the half court, it does not work. Um, especially tell- when Russ is pulling yeah. and, you know, hitting sides of backboards and corner three pull-ups, whatever, you know, he's he's doing and thinking of doing. Even, even being a spot-up guy, like, anytime they use him in that way, it's just not conducive to can, success can you imagine being frank vogel and and knowing that you got russell westbrook a guy that can still put up numbers but not necessarily a winning player and he's a hall of fame player and telling him okay this is a you know a tie game midway through the fourth quarter russ you're on the bench we have a better chance of winning this game with you on the bench that's tough. It is tough, and it's a tough sell to Russ, but I think he would understand it. I think he would, too. I mean, I mean, wasn't it a tell-all the other day when um, Sam Amick had an interview with Russ, and they asked him, like, how's the season been going for you, you know, since being with the Lakers and returning to your home in Los Angeles? He goes, well, I'm happy I get to spend a lot of time with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not talking about the team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think that tells you a lot. And, and I, think, I think Russ would understand it if they did move him, but I don't see a feasible way for them to, to move him. I mean, the only way they could is if they had assets they could attach to this. And they don't. And that's the other thing. Like The, the Lakers don't have any draft capital coming up in, in the near future. I mean, And you'd have to use a third team, but what's the third team's incentive to do that? There, you know, there is no, I mean, to help facilitate like that. There's no incentive there. They got to get draft picks. So it's difficult. It, it's extremely difficult. And like, you know, it, if the hypothetical was out there with the Rockets for John Wall, the smart move would be to do it. If you were the Lakers. Yeah. I don't oh, know if they would do it because so many people would have to swallow their pride about it. And, and I don't know what they would have to do. Say, say the Rockets were even open to it. What would LA have to give them? I mean, the the next first round pick they have right now is in 2027. You'd have to do a lot more. Uh, probably. I mean, I've heard this one, Florida. Well, you, well, well. 
maybe well, I mean by then I mean the money because John hasn't been playing so that doesn't exactly help his value it doesn't and and they both have two years left at you know basically the same amount of money you know how um, ironic it would be for Russ to get traded for Wall again it'd be ridiculous it'd, it'd be, be the second time ridiculous. it would be the second time you know you know there, there's been some talk like you know Eric Gordon could be had with the Lakers want to make a deal for him and and quite honestly they could I mean they could do a THT Kendrick Nunn maybe throw another guy in there you know um for him I'm not sure what kind of draft capital would have to be involved like would that take like that first would it take a couple of seconds I don't know but could you even roll that into a bigger trade that involved wall and rest book you know I I mean, we're just playing games, you know, and throwing around, you know, the freaking, you know, trades and rumors and seeing what kind of sticks to the wall or whatever, what we can imagine. But I mean, the Lakers are in just a bad, bad situation. And the thing is, like, you've only got so much time left with LeBron. Yeah. I mean, he's putting up incredible numbers again this year. You are. Um, I mean, you're. how many more years of this are you going to get? This might be the last one. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's the year after that. It certainly feels like uh, your version of the 2017-18 season. Yes. Even though LeBron, by the way, uh, bar none, the most impressive playoff run I've ever seen, even though the, the Cavs lost to, to the Warriors that year. Yeah. It, but I, that was his best performance. But See, I bring the whole problems back to the front office, not just before this season, but before the last season. Because I get it. From a standpoint that, like, you, even when you win a championship, you don't want to be complacent. I'm a big believer in bringing it back, kind of yeah. a thing. You, they had a formula, and they knew what that formula was. Like, okay, we're not going to be able to shoot like Golden State or some other teams, but man, we play hard, aggressive defense that starts on the perimeter, feed guys inside, and we're going to swallow them up with our bigs. Between and then that was the next question I was going to have for you because you look over at what. KCP's doing for the Wizards on, on their defensive end. Uh, you're looking at what Kyle Kuzma's doing. Uh, he's not even actually having not that great of a year as a shooter, and that's fine. But he's absolutely been been hungry on the glass. Uh, second chance opportunities. Um, you know, taking away uh, chances from you know the other team uh, as far as crashing the boards goes. Averaging you know 23 over his last 13 games and. 11 boards like that was the kind of stuff that I I feel like Lakers fans didn't really appreciate look on the outside looking in uh, of how important Kuzma was playing the you know the quote-unquote dirty work role but he's averaging damn near 36 minutes a game since the uh, December 23rd Uh, you know the Wizards have found a little groove again they've won four out of five Um, you know so Kuzma's part of that deal KCP who's shooting near 40 percent uh, since the the new year from three is part of that deal, and he's been excellent uh, perimeter defender for them. And I know he didn't play much for uh, L.A., but you know even Montrez Harrell, uh, since he's come back these last four games, has looked really solid. So, you know, those are the things you use. Those are the players you use to go acquire Russell Westbrook in the three-for-one. Did you give up too many core pieces, namely KCP and Kyle Kuzma to get one Russell Westbrook like that was it necessary to do that I know that the 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 main focus was to get a point guard to help take the load off of LeBron over the summer um which you know technically they did 
But did they give up too much in the process? Because obviously it hurt their defense and it, you know, kind of changed things up a little and, and had to elevate THT into a bigger role that maybe he wasn't ready for yet. And, you know, you, you look at the things that shifted up and uh, the, the players that had to cover those kind of bases. Um, was it too much? It was absolutely too much. And they should have known this. Like I said, if you go back to the year prior, remember that team struggled, not just because of the injuries. Okay. Now things were working really, really well until LeBron James went down. I think the Lakers were 23 and five and LeBron got the high ankle sprain and then Anthony Davis got hurt. So you could, you could have say like, okay, well, the moves were working. I wasn't a big fan of them because I just liked the way that that team worked and they didn't spend a lot of money. They spent minimum money on their big, spent their money elsewhere, you know, because they had JaVale McGee, they had Dwight Howard that worked out great. Um, they could go smaller with Anthony Davis in the middle. I understood the trade for Schroeder for Danny Green. I totally understood that one. And, you know, Schroeder maybe come to find out wasn't the best fit, but that one I could totally understand. I didn't understand the other moves that they made. And then once again, we've got another off season where we got, okay, we got to fix the problems that we got here. And this is not the way to fix it because you have your formula. You know what the formula is to win with this team because you've already won a championship with them. And once again, they deviated from that. And just, I know that, that even if LeBron's didn't go on, Hey man, I can make this work. And this is why blah, 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 blah. Okay. You can listen to your star player all you want. Okay. But you've got to know better that there are so many issues and you know, with that trade, you know, from, not only the fit of Russ, other moves you can make, how this is going to hurt your team, and also what it's going to do for potential future deals because you're giving up a three for one and contracts and all that. It was a total mess. And and you know, going back to your point about do the you know Laker fans really appreciate KCP and Kuzma? I think they did. I I mean, I know I did. I think there's a lot of other Laker fans that did. I I understood why they wanted to trade Kuzma because he plays the same position basically as LeBron. And I think he was getting a little bit frustrated, not with LeBron, but just like, where's my fit? It was tough for him. It might have been time for him to go, okay? Just, just from that standpoint. Harold, there were problems behind the scenes with him, you know, with the Lakers. So I totally understood why you, you know, he was gone. There was no reason why KCP should have been traded unless there was going to be an upgrade. Um, like, I, I never understood trading both KCP and Kuzma. To me, you kept one of them. To me, you kept, Caruso, that was a no-brainer to me. And instead, they did not value him. In fact, they lowballed him um, and let him walk. Um, I believe the first offer they made him was like two years for ten million dollars. It was something, yeah. something totally ludicrous. So, I mean, they just totally went away from their model and thought, like, oh, we're the Lakers. We can, we can just get guys, you know, you know, on the market for the minimum, and then we'll fill in. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's not going to work like that. It's just, it's just not. Right, right. And that I'm glad you answered that for me because, I don't know, I I still think that, yes, you know, Kuz wanted to get us so, so he would have been part of the deal. And, you know, hindsight's always 2020. I'm not going right. to, you know, be, you know. <laughs> we can all sit here and say, oh, why did they make the deal for Buddy Heald? Or why didn't they make the deal for DeRozan? I mean, right. well, yeah, of course. And especially the DeRozan one. But, I mean, but I think there was a lot of people that sit there and go, wait they're trading for Russell Westbrook and they think this is going to work considering this is a defensive minded team headed by a defensive minded coach. I'm like, 
I never understood. I thought they would have been better off just keeping the roster and going, I know, Coos, it's not the best fit for you, but you've gotten so much better defensively and you know, we're gonna we're gonna work at this for you. KCP, you're a perfect fit here. Caruso, you're a perfect fit here, especially next to LeBron. And by the way, the whole thing about LeBron and the ball handling, like, oh, we can't let him have to handle the ball as much. He's LeBron freaking James. I mean, he's going to handle the ball. It's so ridiculous. Oh, that's funny. All right. But, well, I think we got our Laker talk out of the way. Do you think, <laughs> do you, do you think Vogel is going to survive the season? No. No, I don't. I don't either. And, and the don't. Lakers, I believe. Is it right? I don't know. No. But I don't think he will. It's horrible to scapegoat him like that. It, it to me, it's just it's not fair at all. And I, you know, looking at the Lakers are home against the Pacers tonight on Wednesday night. Then they hit the road for six games, and it's a tough road swing. I mean, they're they're in Orlando the first night, but then it's Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, Charlotte, Atlanta, and that could go uh, really bad really quickly. And if they say, say they go one in five, maybe even two and four, and there's some ugly losses on that trip where they're not playing hard. Imagine Johnson's on Twitter calling them out, going this team, man, they don't, they got no heart. Um, yeah, I could, I could, I could see them making a move and it's dumb. Like, like I said before, if you're going to make a move, if you're going to trade the coach, have some accountability and they should change the front office. Kurt Rambis should not have a say in that front office. And Rob Polinka has royally screwed up the last two years when it comes to some of the moves that he's made as well. Yeah, yeah I would happen to agree with that. All right, before we get into trades, that time, Brian, that time, I think I'm 0 for 9 now. Uh, it's not going well, but uh, I missed that last weekend player too. Props. We'll, we'll do our player props, app.prizepicks.com. Remember, guys, you use the promo code NEWS. You get an instant deposit matched up to 100%, up to $100. So go to prizepicks.com. Make your picks. Already got ours settled in here. I'll throw mine in now and uh, I'll let you know what I'm doing. I'm going to look so, real quick because like, I almost won over the weekend in a football one because I, and I thought I had it made because like I had Debo Samuel over on the rushing. It was 26 and a half. He rushed for 72. I thought that was a gimme. Mahomes <laughs> over 270 passing. Had that. But then I had, I had to go with Najee Harris and the over and rushing, and he didn't even come close. And um, it's always those third. It's, it's always the third leg, Brian. It's I know. Well, we'll get this too. So last week we did our basketball picks, right? Yep. And I've got KCP on the over. Man, he. It was over 10 and a half. He had 10 points in the first quarter. I think I was like, I got this done, right? Uh, Kevon Looney, I had over five and a half points. Had to, had to sweat that one out a little bit. He got the six, though. So I was like, I'm cool. The other one was DeRozan, and they were playing the Pistons. And he had like 20 points going into the third quarter. I was like, oh, man, maybe I got this already. But then they were up by 30. And they took the foot off, you know the gas and they, they, they took tomorrow out and like he stalled at, at 20 points. Actually, I think he had like 16 going into the uh, third quarter and he just needed 23 and a half and he only got 20. They took him out. They, they screwed me over. I can't even remember mine. It just, it, it's Oh, I've got it right here. I'm oh, you, I got it right here. You had Jared Vanderbilt 
over six and a half points. He's got eight. He hit that in like the first half, too. I was right. like, all right, good. Good start. You had Kyle Anderson over two and a half assists. He got two. <clears throat> and the other one that you felt really good about was Devontae Graham over 13 and a half points. He only got 11. <clears throat> those little numbers, those will those always get you. Those little numbers, those, those tiny little things. Uh, okay. So this week, and by the we're gonna get a W this week. By the way, right now too, we noticed something uh, with our friends at uh, at uh, Prize Picks. So not only can you do the categories for points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, uh, with three pointers made, free throws made, they're combining stuff now. So you can do a combo: points, rebounds, assists, combo blocks and steals. See, this is exactly what I needed. This is what I needed. A little a little kind of a, a new setting here. So that's what I'm going to go with for one of them. I think I went with two of them, actually. You like did. That. So here, here are your picks. You have Laurie Markkinen over 12 and a half points. Against- Revenge game at the yeah. United Center. I must say uh, that one is my pick because Lowry's actually been heating up a little bit from distance. I feel like everyone's going to be on Darius Garland because he's the reigning uh, defending Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Um, I actually do think that Jared Allen's going to have a big game too, but I like Lowry marketing in this spot. He knows the floor. He knows those rims. And uh, he's been shooting the ball a little bit better lately, a little lower usage, but uh, he's been on the floor defensively well, um, knocking down about 45% of his threes over his last five games, averaging 14 points right around that mark. So that's why I'm picking uh, the finisher in Chicago. You have Bam Adebayo over 28 and a half combined points, rebounds, and assists. Yes. And who are they playing? I think that was why I picked Portland. They're playing Portland. Portland uh, gets up and down the floor. Um, obviously, they are not great at scoring the ball or defending at this moment. So uh, that's me on, on Bam there. Um, and I think, you know, having a... a more size against that team. Obviously, they have Yusuf Nurkic, but uh, I like Bam there, and it's, you know, second game back. I think yeah. combined, he had 25 or 26 points, rebounds, assists in his return after missing all that time. Uh, so I like him to ride the wave here. And, uh, you know, no Larry Nance Jr. for the, the Blazers on Wednesday night as well. So uh, that's another uh, big thing for me because uh, Larry's a hustler. They yeah. The hustler out there, uh, I think Bam can definitely get a lot of rebounds at the very least. And then your third pick, double O, Anyeka Okungwu of the uh, Hawks. You have over two and a half blocks and steals. I think that's a gimme just on the blocks, man. Uh, he's been playing really well as of late. Nikias Duncan did an excellent breakdown of uh, Mr. Okongwu after the Hawks' improbable win over the Bucks. Uh, they ended up coming back uh, from double digits down to beat Milwaukee. And a big part of that was Onyeko Okongwu's minutes. Uh, he did an excellent job against Giannis, uh, really using his length. He hasn't had all that much playing time uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, but here it's been ramping up a little bit. And uh, he got a, 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 you know, second career best uh, 36 minutes. He's played 37 uh, at uh, the Clippers earlier this season, but that was pretty much garbage time minutes. Yeah. Um, against Milwaukee, they were legitimate minutes. Uh, ended up with 12.7 boards, and he had three blocks and a steal. So it seems this guy's getting a steal and a block 
every game. So why can't he get multiple in one of those categories? So that's why I go with double O uh, in this situation tonight. So I went a little simpler and I stuck with just all points. Okay. So I have Jimmy Butler over 19 and a half. The news is out that Tyler Hero not playing as he entered safety and protocols. Plus Kyle Lowry is out of this game for personal reasons. We like yeah. Jimmy and Bam tonight, folks. Yep. We like Jimmy and Bam tonight. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I made that pick before I knew Lowry was out. I knew about Hero, but I didn't know now about Lowry. Now watch Max Struess go strapped for 30. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I have uh, Gordon Hayward uh, over 15 and a half against the Celtics. A little revenge game there. And uh, he's been scoring a little bit over that. And I have Darius Garland over 18 and a half points against the Bulls tonight. How funny. And he's he's been uh, he's been scoring a little bit more now. He's been in the twenties the last couple of games, so uh, I I like DG. His his point totals I'll say his point totals definitely go up when they are closer games because he is having he has the ball in his hands down the stretch. Right. Um. He is absolutely their leader and all of that pulling up and you know setting guys up. But he's he has been taking more field goals, but that is because a lot of these games have been closer and uh, he's been required to. Um, make the big time shots. Whereas in some of those blowouts, he might not have as great of numbers because uh, he's not needed as much in those situations, but he's really finding a stride. And uh, what a trip again for Cleveland, by the way, uh, four out of five on the West coast trip. What I tell you, they go three and two or, or four and one on that trip uh, a few weeks ago before they left for it. And against the West, they uh, have just ob- obliterated the Western conference this year. Uh, which is, you know, somewhat surprising to me. You know, twelve and nine against the the West um, for a team, you know, where we thought they would be this season. I, I wouldn't see it coming. So um, that I think, uh, big time. Uh, the the junkyard dogs, as I've written in the past, fifteen and nine on the road. By the way, uh, they're they're really on a solid solid roll right now, and it's it's been fun to watch. So DG, good pick for you. We'll see if this game's close tonight because we obviously know about the Bulls' injuries. Zach Levine goes down, unfortunately, with a knee injury uh, in that big game against the Warriors last week. Um, and I think they are also missing an, another key piece. I can't... Uh, Lonzo Ball. Yeah, they're missing Lonzo Ball as well. Yeah. We'll see if that one's uh, close or not. But big game in the Central Division, by the way. One and a half game separates Cleveland and Chicago, who is at the top of the East and at the top of the Central Division. So... This could be a big one right away. Uh, so we'll see at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time on uh, Wednesday evening. You mentioned some of the injuries that have gone on, and it's it's a little crazy right now with big-name injuries, and there's a lot of question marks about when guys are going to come back. So like Damian Lillard, you mentioned, surgery for the abdominal uh, injury. He's going to be out at least six to eight weeks, but there's – there's a lot of rumors that uh, he might not be back this season. And with the Blazers struggling, I don't think they're in a hurry to bring him back. Um, Paul George has been dealing with an elbow injury for the past month. And he just came out and said, they're going to wait a few more weeks before they update his status. I really wonder if PG is going to be back this year. If he needs surgery, he definitely won't. Um, and by the way, if he has surgery, it basically would be like Tommy John surgery, which you see a lot of pitchers in baseball get. Uh, Miles Turner now has got um, a left foot injury and it's going to be a couple of weeks before he's going to be reevaluated. And there's even talk that he will not return before the trade deadline. So that really affects his potential value. And if he gets moved, 
Draymond Green, he's got a little bit of a scary injury, I think, because he's got this calf injury, but it has to deal with a, a, a disc in his back. So he's going to be out a few more weeks. And you have to see if that's something that lingers. And then, obviously, uh, Kevin Durant's going to be out for a month, month and a half. He's got a strained MCL. So there's, there's a lot of things that are up in the air with some pretty big-name guys right now. There are. And uh, it's unfortunate you hate to see this, especially because, you know, you just get through that that period where COVID's affecting all the teams and you're missing them. But those are temporary things. Now you actually start to seeing the injuries and, and some of them lingering, some of them for, uh, you know, a few weeks, some of them for a few months. You don't want to see that, especially, I mean, we're halfway through now. We're about halfway through the season. We're you know, only a couple of weeks away from it being February. Uh, before we know it, the the trade deadline will be here, and then before we know it, All Star will be here. So, um, you don't well, like seeing that, but but hopefully these are guys that can you know get a little healthier in time for you know their stretch runs. Obviously, most of these players are on playoff teams, so you want to see them at full strength. There's a couple of things that are like hidden in there too, from a standpoint that like if Paul George cannot come back. I don't think we're going to see Kawhi Leonard. And I know. No, I, I think the Clippers yeah. would, would punt it. I yeah. think the Clippers would punt it. They'd give time to Brandon Boston Jr. They'd give time to Amir Coffey, which they should, by the way, because those those kids are really, uh, you know, showing uh, some really solid, solid um, play since since they've been giving those, those uh, you know, bigger roles. You know, Ty is an excellent coach. He knows how to develop players. And the Clippers um, are not tanking because their yeah. pick is owed to the Thunder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to. They're, they're not, they're not going to be, you know, going, you know, they're going to be tanking, you know, the Blazers, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen there from a standpoint, like, you know, you, now you get CJ back, but Lillard's going to be out for a while. Like, I think they're going to be active when it comes to possibly, you know, trading somebody, whether it's Nurkic or, you know, somebody else around the fringes, you know, it could be like, um, Larry Nance Jr., Robert Covington, who always gets brought up in you know trade rumors, but maybe maybe CJ's talked about a little bit more when it comes to him. So, you know, with with Lillard's injury, I wonder if that affects how aggressive they're going to be. Um, and and same thing when it comes to Miles Turner, like what's his value now? Because you know he had a foot injury last year, got a foot injury this year. He's not going to be back probably be before the trade deadline comes. So, like. What's his value? Like, what would the Pacers be willing to give up on him for? And and our friend our friend Michael Scott over at uh, at Hoops Hype actually reported that the uh, the Pacers are looking for either two first round picks or a first round pick and a promising young player for Miles Turner. So, and there's a lot of there, there's a lot of suitors uh, out there. And uh, Alex Kennedy on BasketballNews.com listed him. There's a ton of teams in this title. It's funny. I was laughing. Uh, seeing how many t- uh, teams were in the title, but you know the Mavs are one of those teams. The Celtics are one of those teams. You know the there's a ton of interest around for a player who's really good. Blazers, Wolves, Knicks. Do the Mavericks uh, make Lakers, a lot of sense? The Hornets. See, to me, the Mavericks didn't make much sense when it came to Miles Turner, unless they got rid of Porzingis. Yeah, right. But when it comes to other teams, like everybody wants to say, oh, well, the Lakers will get them. Like, they'll, they'll package THT and none. You're like, okay, what's THT's value around the league? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, there, there might be some teams that's still like, ah, oh, you get him out of there. And, you know, I think he's still got a lot of potential and he's still super young. There's going to be other teams that go, I've seen enough. Like, right. 
you know, I'm I'm not putting a big value on him. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, I don't think he has much value. So anybody thinking like, oh, well, the Lakers are going to make a big move. You know, they're going to go out. They're going to get a Miles Turner or a Jeremy Grant. Like, keep dreaming there, suckers. <laughs> Jeremy Grant, that's going to be an interesting one because, uh, you know, according to a report, I, I believe it was also an athletic reporter. It might have been the Detroit Free Press. I can't remember. Uh, but apparently Jeremy Grant is desiring to go to a team where he's going to be a first option or a featured option. And I'm looking around the league at teams that would go after Jeremy Grant. That ain't going to happen. It's not going to be a guy to push a team over the edge, Yeah, but you ain't going to be, you know, 30% usage guy like you are in Detroit. He was such a good fit with the nuggets and he fit that role. And he decided to leave because he wanted to be a first option. And that's why he went to the Pistons. And and, and he made money and, you know, good on him because he played really well last year and he was playing. Okay. This year. But the thing is, the Pistons, that was a gap year because they went out now and they have Cade Cunningham. And you see Cade Cunningham starting to come around uh, as a rookie and he's really starting to have the ball in his hands and making plays, playing defense and all that. And now Jeremy Grant's kind of been, I want to say relegated because he's been on the sidelines. He's been hurt for, I don't know, a month or so and he hasn't been playing. But he, wherever he goes, he's going to have to sacrifice. That's, that's going to be the major... Um, thing I think uh, with with Jeremy Grant, I think and, Grant. Uh, we we talked to, to yeah. realize, but he's going to have to. When it comes to Grant, we've talked about his fit with the Bulls, and I think it would be excellent. And the other team that I think people have brought up, where he'd be a great fit, are the Grizzlies, and they have the assets to do it. Uh, but both of those teams would require him filling a role and not being a number one or even a number two option. He'd be more of a number two or closer to a two in Memphis, but Which, not when Chicago. Thinking Dylan Brooks or Kyle Anderson. I'm just yeah. trying to think of who they could move for. I, I wouldn't touch Memphis, just like I wouldn't touch Cleveland right now unless it was an edge move. But I, I do see what you're saying. You know, I there there's all kinds of ideas, I think, because he's just such a versatile player. He's such a, you know, Seamless fit really anywhere he plays just because of his abilities, as we've seen in Denver, uh, you know, like. So I'm interested to see where he goes, because, I mean, he has a a bigger contract and, you know, a lot of these playoff teams don't have bigger contracts they can trade because they're too valuable to their run. Right. Yeah. Like a like a Dylan Brooks, Cal Anderson move does work. um, Financially. Yeah. It just doesn't make basketball sense. I I think the Bulls won. Makes a lot more sense. The Bulls makes a ton of sense because Patrick Williams hasn't been around all year. Um, they've been starting, you know, uh, you know, they've had Javante Green in there. They've had Derek Jones Jr. in there who just went down with a knee injury as well. Like they've not had that power forward position uh, consistent consistency at that power forward position. And that doesn't help uh, a team that has championship aspirations. Now, uh, if you look at the cap sheet and who they could possibly trade, their biggest salaries, you're not going to use those. You're not going to use DeMar, obviously, Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine, and Lonzo Ball. Those are all guys that are in that price range of what could get a Jeremy Grant. But could you put together Patrick Williams and Kobe White along with a, you know, a Troy Brown or a Derek Jones? Yeah, you can make that work. But would the Pistons repent? Would they re- accept that? Um, 
you know, kind of, of return. How many picks are you getting with that? And how much do you like Patrick Williams? Exactly. That's what it comes I mean, down to. Yeah. Personally, I love Patrick. I think he would be an excellent fit. I think right? that's and a I trade think that, that having Kobe White would be awesome too for them. Yeah, but, that's, a, that's a deal that, that makes a lot of sense for both teams. Oh, yeah, especially for where they are in the direction that they have. Exactly. Like, Williams is a younger guy that you're going to build on. Grant's more of a, a now guy that, that would fit your system and, and plays well with everything that they're trying to do there. So, I, I mean... That, Maybe we've cracked the code, huh? <laughs> I, I, I thought I cracked the code about Ben Simmons, but the hell have I know. Um, yeah, I've been touting about the Kings forever. And, and by the way, speaking of the Kings, it sounds like they're being pretty proactive and going after big names doesn't mean they're going to get anybody, but like the report out of the, the Sacramento B is that, okay, Ben Simmons is option number one. We can't get him. It's We're- the race. It's, it's the race between Brian and Spinney. It's the yep. race to see who's, who's, who was right. Yeah. Okay. You can so go they- back to a podcast back in July, baby. You can hear what I was saying about this. <laughs> so We're saying it. They're, they're saying Ben Simmons is option number one and DeMontis Sabonis is option number two. Now, I don't know if they're going to get either of them. But it sounds like the Kings are at least like feeling around and they're willing to trade De'Aaron Fox for for Sabonis. Now, I don't know, would Indy want to do that and take on a guy that's just starting on a max deal? You know, um, Fox and Brogdon is interesting. I won't say that. Yeah, it is. That's an but, interesting comment. So, by the way, just to remind everybody, because we do it almost every week here anyway, but we're going to do it again. We both have said Ben Simmons to Sacramento. I have said, it's Halliburton and Heald plus a pick or two picks, whatever. But those are the players. And you've said what players? De'Aaron Fox. That has always been it. De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons and, and draft capital. Like, like that's literally been my deal this whole time. Let me throw this one out there, okay? Because this has been talked about. So there is some belief that maybe the Sixers would take a little bit less. Maybe they would sacrifice getting, you know, a really good player instead of like one of those top 20 players around the league in a Ben Simmons trade. If said team would also take Tobias Harris. So if you're Sacramento, would you do that combo of Harris and Simmons at nearly $69 million? Would you be willing to do that to get Ben Simmons and what that's going to cost you player-wise? Is Harrison and Barnes involved in that deal? He could be. Either him or Buddy Heald's going to have he to should be. be. He should be because Harrison, Bar- Har- <laughs> Harrison Barnes. No, Tobias and Harrison Barnes together on the same floor doesn't seem like a great fit. Here we go. I've got one for you, okay? And I'm going to see if this works in just a second. Harrison Simmons at $69 million. For Fox, Barnes, and Bagley. Um, now, Bagley makes 11-3, so together they combine for about $60 million, and that trade does, in fact, work. Here we go. That time of year again. That trade <laughs> works. Bagley, Barnes, and Fox. Now, if you want to, you can take Barnes out and put in heel. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Barnes, I mean, how many years have we been saying like, hey, Sacramento, trade Harrison Barnes, maximize the value. Here we are again. 
uh, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's going to be this or not. But I mean, to me, he's a valuable guy around the league for his size and switching and all the different things he can do. It's kind of like Robert Covington as well, because Covington only makes, well, like $10, $11 million, I think. And his name always gets brought up in trades because he's not overpriced. He's just kind of a glue guy. He's a three and D guy. And I, I think he's probably going to be moved by the Blazers. The right deal comes along. And I think he's going to have some suitors. I don't know if they're going to get a first round pick for him, but they should at least get a couple of seconds, but they Who's should this? get a first round pick. Considering they gave up two first round picks to get him. Who's this? Uh, the Blazers getting Covington. Oh, Covington. Oh yeah. 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 Good call. Sorry. I didn't know if you said him or Larry, cause I was looking at the sheet. <laughs> Well, Larry is somebody I think if you did a second round pick, I think you could get him. Um, yeah. And I still like Larry. I, I've been so disappointed because I think, like so many other people, we thought this was going to be a really good fit, and it has not been for whatever reason. So part of that yeah. being playing time, <laughs> that yeah. always helps. It hasn't been a great. You know what's funny is even as bad as the Blazers have been, they're still in this, this picture because the West is actually the quote-unquote down conference this year. Hey, remember before the season, I stupidly said the Sacramento Kings would get into the playing tournament. Look at Minnie. Look at Minnie, Brian. Look at Minnie. And and I'm just saying that like the Blazers with their injury problems, the Clippers with their injury problems. I'm not Look giving at the young up wolves. on that. Look at the young wolves, baby. The the wolves are seven and they're climbing out. Like the Nuggets, I mean, are in striking distance and. You know, and and uh, the Mavericks are playing better, so I don't think they have to worry about sliding anymore. But um, but yeah, the T Wolves, I could see them getting as high as six. Yes, they could. They really could. It's it's all over the place, guys. Like I I implore you to open up your phones and look at the NBA standings for each conference, and tell me that there's any separation whatsoever, just by record. Like it's impossible. It's impossible. There is between the Orlando Magic and a competent basketball team. What? Oh, that's not nice. I know. And I lived how in Orlando the, for a long time. How about time. the Wagners? Okay, look at Franz and Mo. They're doing work together. And I like, you gotta, you gotta uh, I like Cole Anthony, too. I like him. I think yeah, you oh, know, Cole's everybody, great. Cole's great. Everybody wrote him off, you know, like, oh, he's going to be Jalen Suggs is back, you know, good it, on him. I'm glad he's seeing him back and healthy. I, I You know what? He, I, I want to see him next year. I want to see the development in the offseason and put on some more strength and let, let, hopefully get a little bit more confidence back. But yeah, no, it's almost a little reminiscent, you know, like Darius Garland's rookie season was horrific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, you know, like that's the, that's the great part about player development that I love is just seeing the, the natural growth and maturing process. Very fun. Very fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Oh, and watch, watch the Rockets and let's see what they're going to do because they've got some assets, you know, Christian Wood, I think mm-hmm. is somebody that even though they had the little, uh, argumentative problem on not too long ago could be a value. And then Eric Gordon, who's having one of his better years now. And I think he's what, 32 years old, but he's playing well defensively. He's, he's 32, but he's, he's with healthy. all those injuries. I feel like he's 36, <laughs> like maybe at the same time. At the same time, though, he is playing great basketball. He's hitting forty well, percent of his threes. Yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, poo poo on that. Uh, I just will say that that contract is, you know, pretty pretty hefty. Uh, even though the third season, he's he's on a deal right now, but 2023-24 is not guaranteed. 
So doesn't he fit he with the Lakers making, being the old man team? Come on, add another old. He guy. does. He does. He actually does. I'm not saying it's going to make him any better. It just seems like it's a fit. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> you know, it, like what are the Celtics going to do? The Celtics are part. I mean, how did we not break down this three way deal that just happened with the Spurs and the Celtics and the Bucks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't want to spend a half hour breaking that trade down? Uh, not so much. Not no. so much. Quick little tip. Oh, excuse me. It wasn't the, the Bucks. It was the Nuggets. Excuse me. I was going to say. Your team's mixed. I am. I was so excited about it. I got ahead of myself. Quick little tidbits. Just quick little tidbits. Um, Charlotte playing hella good basketball right now. Shout out to Terry Rozier. I'm going to look this up right now as I'm talking because I don't know the exact numbers. But all I know is that dude has been scary again. He is looking like Gary Terry from last year again. Finally picking it up. He look he looks tremendous, man. He's scoring like crazy. Um, over his last ten games, averaging twenty three, shooting forty four percent from deep on nearly ten threes a game, uh, five boards, four assists, and over a steal a game. So shout out to Scary Terry finding his footing once again. And the Hornets, once they're, you know, they're they've kind of been up and down, up and down, just because you know obviously the defense isn't great, but you know they're. They're hanging in there 20, 24 and 20, uh, you know, looking pretty solid uh, and, and have been playing better basketball of late. Um, They've won you know, seven of the last 10. Yeah, they're looking they're looking better. And again, I, I just wanted to shout out Scary Terry. Um, great dude. Great basketball player. Really looking spry again. You know, he was dealing with those injuries and stuff. So um, it's good to see that again. Uh, you mentioned Dallas. Dallas. Um, you know, they're in a little bit of a, a, a climb themselves. Uh, it's because of their defense. And, uh, you know, resident basketballnews.com film breakdown specialist Nikias Duncan just did an article on that this morning uh, about their defense and how it's elite, despite them not having an anchor. You know, they got guys like Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith and, you know, guys like, you know, up-and-comer, like a, like a Josh Green that's a part of that. Um, and, of course, KP holding it down there. Um, as a rim protector, but uh, great stuff from from Nikias there. I, I just wanted to shout out a couple of those teams. It's it's fun to see the guys that you know don't get too much love get some love, um, and uh, you know continuing to see Memphis and Cleveland climb despite uh, anything that was thought about them, especially in the Cavs case before the season started. It's just fun, man. Memphis is literally in that conversation uh to potentially have the best record in the NBA right now. They're the third in the Western Conference, 31 and 15. Phoenix is obviously atop the only team with single digit losses, by the way. Uh, but it is a uh a race here and it is getting fun. It's getting real fun. So I think on that note we can wrap it up here on Keeping It 94. Once again, go to app.prizepicks.com. 100 percent instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. We gave you our picks. Hopefully I win this time. All I want to do is win one of these player props. One time, Jamie. One time. One time for the one time. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, review. We are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got other great ones for you to listen to. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. Drops every Tuesday and Friday. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Atan Thomas. 
dishes and dimes with the ladies. And of course, nothing but bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. Once again, please subscribe, rate, review, leave us a good note, please. Even if you don't mean it, it'll just make us look good. And we're just trying to grow this thing a little bit. <laughs> I see you shaking your head. No, just a little. we want artificial. We want artificial. We don't want natural. I'm kidding. Uh, if we suck, even just rate us or something like that. I don't care. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies. You can find him on Twitter at Brian Fritz. Find me on Instagram also at Spin Davies. You can find him on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Follow us. Leave comments there. We want to interact with you. We want to grow this thing. We're going to market it better in the year 2020-22. Going to get this thing going. And uh, last note, too. Uh, it's January in Berea. And the Cleveland Browns are already off to a terrible start. But NFL playoffs, guys. Enjoy that. And, uh, yeah. We'll talk to you on the next episode. And hope you have a good day. Stay warm. Stay healthy. And we'll see you.